What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. If you like what you're hearing, why not try a StephCast subscription? Only $4.95 a month if you buy a year in advance. Go to stephaniemiller.com to find out how. Yes, hello. Good morning, Malcolm Nance. Good morning. Okay. I, uh, it's going to be all boy weapon talk this morning. I, all so, right. That's the way I like it. <laughs> okay. So, as a, you know, obviously, as a layperson, we just look at Ukraine and go, oh, my God, help them. <clears throat> Give them whatever they need. This is a genocide going on before our eyes. But so you saw what happened that, you know, the Polish obviously offered to give us their planes, right? Like to give them to the U.S. air, you know, air base mm-hmm. in Germany. So, but this was a surprise. They didn't consult with the U.S. on this. So obviously the U.S. has rejected this offer. What, what is your take on this? And is there a solution for how to get these planes to Ukraine? Well, it, that was a surprise because when I first heard the, that the offer was made, and that the Poles were going to try to fly these aircraft to Ramstein Air Base, then Ukrainian pilots would take off, refuel, take off. I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. The United States was going to allow us to use our largest air base in Europe. Turns out, though, this was a clever story the Poles had thought up themselves to keep the Russians from getting mad at them for Ukrainian fighter jets flying across the border. So by letting the Americans take the heat they would only trans allow these aircraft to transit their border i thought that it was an interesting proposal but now i understand where the department of defense and the white house are coming from it would look like u.s are sorting which is military talk for letting take off fighter you know hostile fighter aircraft from germany to go into the ukraine so it's going to be very touchy you know, we, we said, you know, the, the Poles could just, you know, tow these aircraft to the border, literally cross them onto well, a highway, turn right. that highway into a runway and let them take off. But this whole thing is going to be fraught. I think the yeah. Poles are just going to have to uh, let those aircraft take off. Russia is not going to attack Poland or the United States from this. But at this point, with Vladimir Putin's Russia, who knows? Well, I mean, that's the obviously the other second scary story. Ukraine warns of radiation leak at Chernobyl because of the power being cut off. I, I mean, and, and obviously Russia's in control. I, I, what could possibly go wrong comes to mind with this story. But oh talk to a, I, I said this before and again, way above my pay grade, Malcolm. But I'm like, I, Putin doesn't even have to use his nukes if he blows up a power of nuclear plant, does he? I mean, what what degree of concern yeah, but- should we have here? But it's insane because, first off, 
for those of you who know, you guys know that I was old Navy chief. I'm qualified in submarines, which means I had to do watches on a miniature nuclear reactor that was powering an atomic submarine. So you have to know everything, everything there is to know about that. So what is the real issue? Reactors are controlled. The uranium flow and the nuclear fusion that's happening happens hot, goes hotter or colder depending on the kind of control rod system that you have in place that goes up and down and controls the, uh, the flow of the atoms, right? Yeah. You, if those control rods are up and, the, and or do not come down, that reactor gets very, 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 very hot and will, if that control system goes out of, out of, out of whack, literally melt through the floor. So, uh, which is what happened at Chernobyl. The first, well, Chernobyl actually melted through, created a steam cloud that exploded the roof of the building, right? Because, yeah. as you know, it's just a giant, giant teapot, right? Yeah. So, with Russia cutting off the power, it means the control reactor control uh, only being elevated and lowered using the, the diesel generator. The diesel generators are usually outside. So if they run out of fuel or somebody drops a mortar into it and those, you know, the power at the power plant goes off, that power plant will go into meltdown again. See, I, we were saying, That's obviously, if radiation leaks, it can leak to Russia and Belarus. It will go so what, everywhere. I, I but this is this is where we're in. How insane is Putin territory? I think he's using it deliberately. As a, as a method to bring people to this thought, he's 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 using nuclear power, whether it's through uh, the, the collapse of a fission reactor that already created the world's worst. Well, one of the world's worst nuclear reactors, although you got to give Fukushima its props. Yeah, um, th this is just insane because it could only be done deliberately. Why would he have the power turned off? Unless he, you know, it's 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 okay. nuts. Right. And so now let, we have to start let, thinking Putin's in the nutty category. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, and obviously the reports are he's getting angrier and more desperate by the moment. Right. Right. I mean, I what was this story? Hang on. That, uh, you know, uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine has alienated some of his top military officials, causing them to grow increasingly worried as the Russian military continues to meet fierce resistance from Ukrainians. Many of them are discouraged, frightened, are making apocalyptic forecasts. No one is rejoicing. Many understand this is a mistake, but in the course of doing their duty, they come up with explanations in order to somehow come to terms with it. Um, officials are carefully enunciating the word cluster F when describing the invasion. I mean, the fact that he has to try to recruit foreign fighters, what does right. that say, Malcolm? Well, I mean, Ukraine's recruiting foreign fighters, but Russia has 75%. No, no, no. So Russia recru recru recruiting right, foreign right, fighters, right. Like, Syrian, like Syrians. Is right, what I'm the asking. Syrians. Yeah. Well, also the Chechnyans that they're bringing. They're bringing in more Chechens. I just saw right. a parade of about 200 Chechen special forces there. Uh, and, you know, guys from Dagestan, and they were trying to bring guys. There's a rumor that the Belarusians are about to a big in Northwest. Oh, boy. We got a bad connection. Bad connection. For yeah. You, Malcolm. Malcolm, you still there? It's losing. And, and mark my words, everybody remember this. I said this at the beginning by about day three. I said something is very wrong with this. And I think the Ukrainians have a chance of winning this. Yeah. Russia has not met any of its strategic objectives apart from the land bridge between Kherson, Mariupol, 
and and Donetsk, and they really haven't achieved that all at once. And they're so desperate, they're starting to bring just that as a settlement for the war, to end the war. So something is seriously going on. Uh, Putin understands that there's, there's a key factor you need to understand here, Stephanie. He could not only lose the war, he could lose the Russian army. Yeah. 75% of that army is trucks, right? Yeah. And the tanks that are on the leading edge of it, these guys don't want to fight. So, you yeah. know, he could wake up one day and someone decide to terminate his command. Yeah. Uh, and, and which would be the best thing for everybody. Yep, absolutely. What? Um. So, Malcolm, let's go back momentarily for the, what, what do you, think is going to happen with the planes from Polish or otherwise. I mean, I guess what I'm not understanding is what's the difference between getting them javelins and getting them planes if it's just like you said, a question of how do we get them to them? I mean, are we you know, getting Ukraine everything they need? And if not, why not? And how do we do that? Well, I, as I understand it, they're getting plane loads of weapons now okay. down in southern Poland. You know, I believe uh, in the last week, 18 plane loads of missiles came there. Uh, they're dominating everything below 10,000 feet. Russian aircraft can't go below. I know the other day, two days ago, they lost three aircraft in an hour. And, you know, there's videos of these shootdowns. Yeah. The, the Russians do not have air supremacy, much less total air superiority or total air dominance, which means they that every inch of that country is theirs. They don't have it. So the, the Ukrainians need those aircraft to replace the combat losses. They only had 25 MiG-29s when this thing started. If you could replace most of those, they're flying missions. They're, they're carrying out strikes. But if you could double or triple that, that would be helpful. But, you know, I'm a big believer that, that asymmetrically, this thing is not being, we are not, you know, using our imaginations enough. I think that we, companies should be offering the Ukrainian government all the drones they can carry yeah with as many weapons as they can carry i agree and uh, I the agree. united states government should be encouraging that because drones are a game changer especially the switchblade suicide drone right the kamikaze drone yeah it has a little camera on the front and it goes up it sees a target and it drops and blows up on that target so instead of just taking yeah. pictures and malcolm what do you, i know this always happens in war but what do you make of what the russian casualties are Right. Because, you know, Russia's saying, yeah. oh, 500, you know, Ukraine's saying 10, 12,000, I guess oh. I, I, somewhere the estimates in the middle. Right. Like 5000 from I don't know if that's us or. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at it, um, the Russians, you know, the Ukrainians are saying that they've destroyed uh, 100, I think, so, 120 main battle tanks. There's four men each inside those. And when you get hit, you don't survive for the most part. Yeah. Some of them do. Rarely do they do the modern weapons on the battlefield like the Stinger. I'm sorry, not Stinger, the Javelin anti-tank missile. Javelin anti-tank missile does not give you a warning. It comes right through the roof of that place and it detonates all of your ammunition. Yeah. So there's no surviving a hit by a Javelin unless you happen to be outside the vehicle hiding in the woods. Um, so, of which we've seen a lot of abandoned vehicles. Yeah. So those numbers, I would go into the halfway yeah. I would go into the five to six thousand range. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Pentagon's two thousand is is they said they have low confidence in that. 
Ukrainians may be overestimating by a third. People generally overestimate by sure. a third. But these are devastating numbers. But that's, that's going to start to anything that happened in the United States in all of the wars of terrorism. That's, you know, on top of all the sanctions and the Russian, the ruble being worth less than a penny, the body bags coming home. I mean, you know, and we already have a lot of people braving being protesting, protesting in Russia. Um, you know, that that's a that, that's one of those things you can't really hide. Right. The number of body bags right. coming home. Well, you know, it's the it's the funerals that you can't hide. OK, I mean, you could you could send home ashes. You could say the person was killed in action and lost overseas. Uh, it's the grieving mothers you can't hide. And that's what the Ukrainians are are emphasizing. And the news media is starting to catch. But, you know, this is this is Russia. I saw a video, by the way, really interesting. One of the first convoys to enter into Ukraine was flying the flag of the Soviet Union. I'm not joking. Aye, aye, you know, aye. they thought they were doing some retro commie stuff. And now they're finding out that, they, you know, Special Cargo 200 yeah. uh, is going back in very large numbers. Yeah. By the way, I saw I heard you on TV the other day say you're one of the only military experts saying that Ukraine can win this. But it seems like more and more people, as usual, are coming around to your point of view. <laughs> this, uh, the head of Britain Armed Forces speculated uh, Putin has decimated Putin's decimated military forces currently involved in the uh, invasion will not be able to provide him the victory he desires. He said the incursion is not going well. I think we're also seeing remarkable resistance by Ukraine, both its armed forces and its people. We're seeing the unity of the whole globe coming together, applying pressure to Russia. Russia is suffering. Russia is isolated power. It's less powerful than it was 10 days ago. I think there's a real risk because Russia is struggling with its objectives on the ground in Ukraine. And we've seen from uh, Russia's previous actions in Syria and Chechnya where it will turn off the violence. It will lead to more indiscriminate killing and more indiscriminate destruction. I mean, when I watch the scenes right now on TV, some of it, it just looks like right. rubble, like he has reduced areas just to rubble, which I guess he thinks he's going to rule over. Right. I mean, it, it, it's well, fortunately, in the level of combat, even with the level of intensity that we've had in the last two weeks, um, it isn't large swaths. They haven't turned entire cities into Stalingrad. It's these pinpoint areas. I, I personally, I mean, I've been there. I think they can relatively clean it up quickly. Yeah. But the question is, um, how many rockets do they have? How many of these artillery men want to keep firing into civilians and expect to have any mercy? Uh, like the Ukrainian special forces said, they said when they start doing special raids, they're going to start raiding behind the lines, artillery units, and they promise no survivors. Yeah. You're going to keep throwing artillery shells into an urban area? With a threat like that, that's not only viable, it's probable. Yeah. Malcolm, let's quickly turn to, before the end here to uh, your uh, new book, The They Want to Kill Americans. And you're, uh, you know, you're being a terrorism expert in addition to a military expert. How significant yesterday that uh, uh, Enrique Terrio, the leader of the Proud Boys, was indicted on a conspiracy charge for January 6th. He joins Oathkeeper Stuart Rhodes as the two most high-profile individuals charged and then at the same time the infamous MAGA rioter found guilty of all charges after his son testified against him um it's kind of a blockbuster day for the DOJ and for January 6th yesterday wasn't it yes it was and Allison Gill of Mueller she wrote put it put it the best because you know people are sort of down on uh, on uh, oh yeah the attorney general and you know we all are I'm Veruca Salty I am I'm the Veruca Saltiest I I admit it I <laughs> <laughs> you want your you want to... 
<laughs> but I but I saw Allison said this tells you how leak proof the Justice Department is because nobody, including yeah. including underwear boy uh, Terrio, thought he was going to get arrested <laughs> yesterday, right? Enrique Terrio and his tidy whities. There's like going to be a whole Pornhub channel for this, <laughs> but. You know, this is how they, you know, I went through SWAT officer school. That's how we like to do our raids. Yeah. It's 5.30 in the morning, and we want you in bed in your underwear. And that, you know, it also tells us that this guy was supposedly an informant for the FBI, for the uh, Department of Justice or the FBI. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Or not enough. So now he's going to have to start making his deals and leaking. And he's going to tie in the entire conspiracy. I'm certain of it. And by the way, the Department of Homeland Security Intelligence Division uh, Division had identified specific threats related to January 6th prior to the attack on the Capitol, but did not widely share any intelligence it gathered until two days after the riot. This would be yeah, Trump's course. Department yes. of Homeland Security. So there are a I, lot of shoes I, still to drop, right, Malcolm? I told you the camouflage for that uh, that. January 6th insurrection was the color of their skin. And no one thought, oh, they're yeah. white people, they're Trump voters, therefore they're not a threat, even though all the, the red lights on the panel are blinking. Everyone is saying they're coming there to do violence. But it's, it's, it literally, they use their race and culture as camouflage. And this is the greatest danger to a future insurrection. Yeah. Uh, not just an insurrection, an insurgency that we're all in. Uh, but, you know, this it's interesting that Ukraine is sort of taking some steam out of their, you know, the wind out of their sails a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, truck convoy got no attention. They got eaten up by the beltway, which any idiot who goes around D.C. knows no one can drive around the beltway faster than five miles per hour. So um, we'll see how how it all plays out over the long run. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to remain hopeful. And uh, thank you, Malcolm. Uh, it's uh, You are essential to, during these and all times. Thank you, honey. <laughs> My pleasure. All right. There he goes.